Good morning and happy Sabbath, church. I hope your week has been filled with God's love and the joy that comes with it. Uh, Pastor Tim has given me the wonderful opportunity to speak this Sabbath in front of you guys, and so I am excited to share God's word with you today. Uh, but first things first, my name is Isaiah, and I was actually born and raised here in Glendale Church. Uh, I Actually, for a period of maybe six years or so, I was absent. I just went to a different church closer to my house. And I think I came back around 2016 when Glendale was hosting camp meeting. Uh, my friends actually wanted me to play uh, for Glendale on the basketball team over there in the tournament. And so that was honestly the main reason why I came back. Uh, and the rest is history. And uh, for me growing up, sports was definitely very big in my life. And I really wanted for the longest time to hear a pastor speak about sports, uh, but never did I ever guess that I would be the one speaking about it. Uh, but I am blessed uh, to share with you today, and I've learned so much just from this one passage that we'll be covering today. So if you will, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we will be looking at verses 24 through 27. So it reads, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now this passage can be split into two separate parts, at least the way I see it. Uh, the training aspect of an athlete and the actual race or competition. In this case, Paul is referring to a runner. And so we'll be talking first about the training aspect. Uh, if you see in the very beginning in verse 24, Paul says, do you not know? And I just thought that was very interesting. He does this a lot throughout most of his writings. And the reason why he's saying, do you not know, is because, well, these people in Corinth definitely did know what was to follow. You see, in Corinth, there was these games called the Isthmian Games, and this was held every two years. Um, this was part of the Pan-Hellenic Games in Greece, of which the Olympics was also a part of. And so what Paul is saying is, these next things that I'm going to say, don't you know that it is obvious? Uh, they were very familiar with the athletic circle uh, and what goes on and what goes into an athlete's life and those such things. And so what Paul is saying in verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Uh, this is very simple. What he's saying is run with a goal run with a purpose, and thus to live with a goal and to live with a purpose. Now, I don't want to be uh, mistaken by any means. There have been a lot of sayings and a lot of interpretations of this text to say that Paul is telling us that when we are competing or playing sports, that we should do it to win at all costs. Absolutely not. That is not what this is saying. Uh, let us understand that Paul is not talking about when 
we are competing as Christians or taking part in competition. He's merely using an aspect of athletics to refer to our entire Christian life. And so it is very simple of what Paul is saying. Live with a goal. Live with a purpose. And so Paul continues on to verse 25 to explain what he means by this statement. And it reads, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now I want to focus on the word temperate for a little bit. Uh, as you probably know, there goes a lot into an athlete's life, and temperance or control is one of the things that is very important. Uh, I saw this one YouTube video recently about the world's strongest man. His name is Brian Shaw. Uh, I think the last time he won the competition was in 2016, and he's won it, I think, four times in total. And so he was making this video about his diet and what he ate on a regular basis. So if you look on any box or any food item, you'll see that on the nutrition facts, it'll say based on a 2,000 calorie diet. And so 2,000 calories is kind of the ballpark number of how many calories an average human being should be consuming in a day. Now, Brian Shaw consumes about 10,000 calories a day. Uh, pretty crazy. He eats six meals a day and eats every two hours. Insane. He is, I mean, he is six foot eight, 450 pounds. So he's not your average human, but six meals a day every two hours. And I know what some of you guys are thinking, right? Six meals a day every two hours? I mean, is that supposed to be hard? That's just like another Sunday. I mean, honestly, it doesn't sound too bad. But when you look at it, there are people who have done this challenge, the 10,000 calorie challenge. And man, it is gruesome to just watch. They are just sweating buckets all over the place. And if you have time uh, in, your, in, your, in your day that you can find, uh, maybe check that out. But the point is that Athletes definitely have to be temperate in many, many things, okay? Going back to the verse 25, it says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in one thing. Is that what it says? No, it says in all things, right? And we see this to be true. Athletes not only have to be temperate in their diet, but in other things as well, okay? Imagine if somebody ate a 10,000-calorie diet on a regular basis, but didn't work out at all. I mean, I would, I think it'd be a stretch to call that person an athlete. But as you know, there's many, many things that go into an athlete's life. Um, for example, not just your diet, but maybe your strength training, your mobility, flexibility. Uh, for certain sports, maybe your explosiveness or uh, your cardio. Oh yeah, not to mention the actual skills that you need to play the sport. Um, Needless to say, that's just the physical side, and there's a whole world of other things that you need to deal with as well. Uh, but as we can see, there's a lot that goes into an athlete's life, and a lot that, he, that they need to be temperate in. And Paul's saying is that Christians and their lives are very similar. Not only do, does health matter uh, in a Christian's life, but also we have these spiritual disciplines that also play an important role. Now, what are these spiritual disciplines? 
read your Bible, pray every day. I mean, we've heard this since growing up in Sabbath school every single week, right? We know these things. Um, of course, there are other spiritual disciplines like fasting or finding rest or acts of service. But it's these spiritual disciplines that allow us to grow in our relationship with God. Now, let's be clear about what Jesus did on the cross for us. Jesus' blood granted us a ticket. He's only paid your race fee and got your bib for you, for example. But it still remains up to us to show up and run that race. Because nobody can run your race for you. It remains only up to you to run that race. And these spiritual disciplines are the ones that help us to prepare for that race, to prepare for this life. Everything up to that race is extremely important. Usain Bolt said in one quote that the competition is easy. Everything leading up to it is the hard part that people don't see. But actually on that day and running that race is the easy part. And so as Christians, having these spiritual disciplines in place will allow us to prepare our bodies and our minds in order to give us the best chance to succeed in this life and the best chance to become closer to God. Now the second part of verse 25 reads this, Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Now back in those days, the victors or the winners of the games were awarded a crown of dry celery. Uh, today, or I guess in the past Olympics, they changed that to an olive tree branch, and that's what we still see in the Olympics today. But back then in the Ithmian games, it was a crown of dry celery. And so when Paul says that they obtain, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, this is what he is referring to, because, as you know, celery is just a plant, and it will eventually fade away and die. But he says that we do it for an imperishable crown. And what is this imperishable crown? It is spending eternity alongside our Savior. Now let's move on to verse 27, and this is the interesting part. And it reads, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so I'm going to use an example to try and further illustrate this and what Paul is trying to say. Let's just say that a fitness guru shows up at your local meeting place, wherever it may be, and they say, if you follow this program, you will finally be able to achieve the physique that you've always wanted. But you look, at, you look at him and you see that you know, he's look, he looks like he's been quarantining inside like a McDonald's or something. Uh, I definitely wouldn't buy that program and I would definitely wouldn't recommend you guys to buy that program either. And what, so what's the problem with this? The problem is you need to practice what you preach. And we've heard this saying many, many times. And this is one of the places in the Bible where it comes from. Paul is saying that there's a problem if we tell people to read the Bible and pray every single day, but when we only talk to God when we thank Him for the food and the hands that prepared it. 
He's saying that in order for us and our words to be meaningful, we have to be able to be qualified ourselves. And so, as he says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Because we first, we need to discipline ourselves so that we can be the first living example of the effects and the promises that God has for us in store in the Bible. But it's not just practicing the good things, right? It's also getting rid of the bad ones. See, the Bible tells us that in Galatians, flesh and spirit are contrary to each other. Romans 8 goes on to say, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And what is the gospel if not new life and peace? But how can we preach new life and peace if the ones preaching aren't experiencing it? And so what Paul is urging us Christians to do is to not only speak the gospel and share it from our mouths, but speak and share from the witnesses to our lives. Now, there's definitely will be times in our Christian race, per se, that it might seem long and tedious and sometimes unnecessary. Right? You might just want to skip one day. And what harm can it really do? I can just make up for it the next day, right? But understand that there are no shortcuts to a true relationship with God. And any athlete will tell you this, this is true. ESPN actually just recently released a documentary uh, about Lance Armstrong called Lance. And you might have heard uh, the name Lance Armstrong before, and if you don't know who he is, Uh, He was (laughs) one of the most decorated cyclists of all time. Uh, He won the Tour de France seven times. And if you, uh, the Tour de France is a very brutal and long race lasting over a period of three weeks. Um, They travel all around France for a little bit over 2,000 miles, or I think 3,400 kilometers. Uh, and Lance won this race seven different, seven different times. Incredible feat. But as some of you might know, he cheated. And he was disqualified, stripped of all seven of his titles, and banned from the world of cycling for life. And in this way, he definitely has disqualified himself. Now imagine if Lance Armstrong came up to you and said, I'm going to tell you how to work hard in order to become the best. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'd just be like, I mean, you cheated though. So uh, I would question definitely what his advice would be. Uh, And since then, since that truth came out, many people have questioned how good he really was and how hard he really worked. Now, I definitely don't doubt that Lance Armstrong worked hard. Uh, He is a professional athlete. Uh, obviously but since that truth came out he has disqualified himself of a lot of respect and this is what Paul is telling us and warning us against that in order to be credible and in order for people to take our words seriously when we preach it to them and not just go in one ear and out the other we must be living the gospel every single day 
And not just when we come to church on Saturdays, not just on the race day. It's all the days before that, all the training before that day that comes into importance. Now, we've talked a bit about the training aspect of this passage that Paul's talking, uh, we're talking about here. And so we want to transition now into the actual race and what Paul is trying to say and allude to using this reference. Verse 24 and 26 come together nicely as 24 reads this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So we've covered this. But verse 26 goes on to say, Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. And when we think about this, it, it's not too difficult to understand, but definitely is more difficult to actually put into action. I want to share a story as we close here about a certain individual, uh, a basketball player, and uh, we will call him Derek for now. You see, Derek grew up in a very dangerous environment uh, where drugs and shootings and all sorts of bad things were going on each and every day in his life. A couple of his older brothers actually got involved in drug dealing, but they knew better than to let their brother go down that road. And he witnessed some things that he wished that he really never had. But one thing he knew for sure was that he was gifted at a very young age. Gifted enough to maybe make the MBA, per se. And as he progressed through the years and finally got to high school, he had a conversation as, as, the, as his family's life was slowly and slowly but surely being deteriorated and broken down by the poverty that surrounded them. He had a conversation with his coach one day and said, I'm going to save my family. How? He was going to do it through basketball, through making the NBA so that he could finally bring his family out of the terrible nightmare that they were living in each and every day. And so he worked and he worked so hard day in and day out. He got to college, uh, not a huge big name school, but he got to college D1 level. And his coach tells a story that one day he walked into the gym and he saw Derek training. And Derek was just drenched in sweat from head to toe. He'd probably been there for about an hour. And so the coach left and came back later that day to the campus and found that Derek was still training. He had been training for five hours straight. So the coach called him over. He said, kid, what are you still doing here? And Derek said this, I'm working, coach. I got to get better. And this is what he says. He said, I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. Because you see, for him to be not good enough meant that he couldn't make the NBA. And if he couldn't make the NBA, then he could not save his family from poverty. So every time he trained, every time his arms just wanted to fall off because he was shooting too much, or his legs just wanted to fall down because he was running, every time he wanted to quit, he thought to himself, if I quit now, who's going to save my family? 
And so with that in mind, he kept going. Even if his eyes could no longer see the prize, he did what was most important. And he kept his mind on what mattered. And for us as Christians, we can relate. Because we can't always see God. And we rarely do see God face to face. And we can't always hear Him even when we want to. But the important thing is, while it is important to keep your eyes on the prize when you can, when you can't, you must keep your mind on what matters. Because we cannot just stroll through life. Paul calls us to run our race. And I thank Pastor Mike Ta for this next illustration that I will steal from him. He says, don't let life distract you and make you fall off the narrow road. You just keep running. You just keep running straight. Don't look left or right. You just keep running. But, you know, God, I got I to gotta finish school, you know, and I got to go to grad school and I got to get a job someday. Right. And I'm lonely sometimes. So I need to get married now and, and then and then I'll find you. Folks, we need to trust that God is true to his promises and that he will provide for our every need, not our every wants, but our every need. All we must do is keep running, keep running our race. And when God says, look left, there the job will be. And when God says, look right, there will your spouse will be running just as fast as you on their own path. James chapter 1, verse 12 says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Church, even when we cannot keep our eyes on the prize, let us diligently strive to keep our mind on what matters. Let us live each day in a way as to obtain the prize. The prize of spending eternity alongside God and spending forever in God's love and the joy that comes with it. Let's pray.